Greetings, Gothamites, to episode 77 of I Am The Knight. We're looking at season two, episode 18 of Batman the Animated Series, Make Them Laugh. Yes, it's a Joker episode, but it's brilliant in the way it takes a while to get there. Isn't that right, Mighty Adam? It's true, I am Mighty, and as was this episode, I was fully prepared for it to be a great Joker-style story, like with callbacks to your classic, the 20s and 30s and 40s sort of deals like the was it Frank Sinatra who came out with that classic that classic um, song "Make Him Laugh"? I do not know. I'd have to actually read because um, that's what I thought when yeah. I saw the saw the title card. But well, uh, that's definitely what it's aimed at. Definitely what it's aimed at, and you got that general feel from the episode. But it was the nice, slow, mysterious build-up that we didn't quite get the satisfaction of it being the Joker immediately. But we got a more rich, layered story as a result, and I love it when storytelling is that. Uh, well planned in what is what some may still consider just to be like 90s Saturday morning cartoons. Well, it's not just that. It's I think that it also shows another side of Joker's mania, but also his genius, because that was a plan that was layer upon layer upon layer of revenge, wanting to prove himself the funniest clown in all of Gotham, which ironically at the end he was, but not in the way he liked. But... I just thought this is one of the best written, best put together episodes ever, actually, because I've never seen this one before. This one is brand new to me, and I loved it. It's always great when you can get something very satisfying, very new, especially when you don't remember it. I'm surprised that there's something in this that you don't remember, because uh, honestly, I carried you on YouTube, I've obviously seen all of these back in the day, but still, like a pleasant surprise of something like truly, truly new. Yeah, it's great to see that kind of rich and layered story and one that you don't remember, so it's a new, fresh experience coming back to do this retro review show. Yeah, well, it's also wonderful because I watch this show every week. No, I'm going to love it, but I'm still dreading the moment when there's an episode I don't like. I mean, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but whenever you go into anything new, and this was brand new to me, I thought, well, could this be the one? But if anything, it's actually one of my favourites for so, so many reasons, and we'll talk about them. First of all, obviously... <laughs> The inept villains. I mean, the Condiment King's actually a proper comic book, believe it or not, villain, and he's just as rubbish in the comics as he is here. But I just need your thoughts on this guy. No, I like I know of Condiment King because I'm there. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't one of the regulars in your Adam West '60s Batman. I'd be very surprised. I don't think he was. So he's an invention post '60s. I think pre-60s, but I think they deemed him even too stupid for the TV show. But when you think I about... I might be wrong. But when you think about it, just like those gas canisters on his back shooting pressurised ketchup and mustard, that stuff's acid. Yeah. So And coming at high speed could do some damage, yeah. but it's very hard to take him seriously. Absolutely, especially as, in that costume. Especially in that costume where he was wearing a balaclava that looked like a pickle, yeah. very true to form. <laughs> but he was also that. very... No, 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 but he was also very clearly wearing, uh, like, wife fronts. Yeah. Like, we, we, like, the joke of the underwear over his tights... Was for, taken to the next level. Yeah. The superheroes is just a done thing forever but this time it actually was underwear over his tights so it's just very hard to take him seriously and um not to show you any like disrespect or to out you to our audio only vi uh, viewers and listeners who d who can only imagine what we look like on the other side of your your headphones but uh also was rocking the dad bod much like you you do oh yes absolutely. Um, absolutely somewhat squidgy and not exactly as toned about as uh many of our other superheroes are but yeah, there's just something so ridiculous about him that we just know that, like, 
either the real villains are taking a day off or something more sinister is going on here. And you called it. Yeah. Something more sinister is. Yeah, but also a lot of the other villains were literally taking a day off, having a, a delightful snooze, as we'll get talked about in a moment. It is so funny. Condiment King is one of those characters. That, I, mean, I, I love him. Huge entertainment, but what is the guy thinking? I mean, at least in this episode, he's got the excuse he's actually being controlled by the Joker, so he can't be a judge at the comedy show. That's that's what the whole plot is. Let, let's let's tell listeners what the plot of this actual story is, because otherwise they're thinking Condiment King, Joker, but not Joker. What what the what the what? Obviously, do watch the episode as well though, because that's what this show is about. Yeah. So to summarise, um, the Joker has the whammy, shall we say? We'll unpack as to how he's doing this a little later over certain local comedians in Gotham City and dressing them up as some of the worst supervillains ever just to get them out of the way so that he can win uh, Gotham's funniest comedy act for the 10th anniversary special. He's just doing that sort of like trip on his own ego and like snub those who wronged him a very long time ago. And it'd be very interesting to talk about that very long time ago as well. But yeah, that is the general story and it's, a mystery that we have to unpack as we go along, seeing where these nah, knockoff villains have come from, and then figuring out, oh, it is the Joker and he's doing it by this means. So there is still a lot of mystery and intrigue yeah. to unpack here, which is one of the things we love most about this show. It's still Batman as the beat detective, but there's a lot of a process to it with him trying to figure things out. Oh, so you think this is set before he became Joker? See, I, yeah. I don't. No, it was I, only a year ago. Was it? Yeah, they said it was last year's episode that they recorded. Okay, that's that's for the fair. fair. I must have I must have missed that part. But in any case, it might have been interesting to see that this was um, the the unnamed man from Killing Joke. Yeah, the wannabe the wannabe breakout comedian. Yeah. But we already know that he was actually part of Salvalestra's gang and a former gangster in this. Actually, Jack Napier, um, the Phantasm. Yeah, yeah. so. He could have had multiple sort of backings, as it were, trying to go straight and get into comedy, and then the Killing Joke stuff, as the yeah. as those as that old gang try to like reel him back in. There's many ways to interpret it, but clearly this was um, him just like seeing if he could just like go straight as a comedian, just like pinking up to make himself look more presentable and trying to be funny. But the judges were horrible. In a way, I still make you right though, because this isn't actually against your um, theory, because I actually do believe that. This is the Joker trying to go back to a time before he was Joker. So this was the pre-hoodlum, pre-gangster, chubby guy trying to make it on the circuit. And the fact that it's in the comedy awards, he's a clown. He just wants to see if, well, actually, could I have made it as a comedian? And, well, yes and Yes no. and no. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not poo-pooing your theory. I just think that's a really, really interesting interpretation. And I do actually make you right, but not when he made the appearance on the show. That was... Yeah, and that's fair enough. Well, this, the, this uh, competition has been going for about 10 years or yes. so, as I said, because the one that we see in the end and of the episode... And we know is that, Batman hasn't. And we know that Batman hasn't. This is still Batman. Established, knows what he's doing, but still fairly fresh. Absolutely. So there's plenty of time for a young pre-Ace Chemicals Joker to have tried his hand at uh, comedy before things go very, very wrong. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But we, we have to talk about the fact that this is probably the first almost full-on comedy episode we've had. I mean, even with Harley's Holiday, where she's 
literally, it's, it's a farce. Everything goes wrong for it. This episode was played for laughs as every bit as much as it was played for action. It really was because we just see the how utterly inept these other super oh, almost all of these other fake supervillains are. Condiment King, it's impossible to take his premise seriously, and his look is just so out there. <laughs> And then we get what Packrat was it? Packrat and who, Mighty Mom. Yeah, Packrat who breaks into this huge department store. Oh god! And steals absolutely nothing of value. He gets the jewelry box, throws away the jewelry, and keeps the box. Yep. He opens the cash register at the till, and then just takes the train, dumps out all the notes and the coins. Although one thing him and I do agree on is that if there is ever a mannequin arm just going spare, you have to take that. Oh, that's fact. Yeah, yeah. that's just science. Yeah, yeah. I, we've all <laughs> we've all done taken some strange things in our university days. I have some friends who still have some road signs in their in their rooms. I'm not going to talk about the road lights and traffic. They did one strange driveway when I was a teenager. We'll we'll, we'll move past this. Yes, yeah, so. adults now. <clears throat> adults now watching that now. Sure, um, but well, we knew. What was going to happen when Batman's driving through Gotham in the Batmobile and the report about Condiment King breaking into the restaurant comes out and he just comes out with, it's going to be one of those those nights. (laughs) Fantastic. Absolutely. And obviously, because we're us, Condiment King's condiment-based puns. Oh, joy. Yeah. Dad jokes are us. Dad jokes are tumblr.com they are they were some of the best they were yeah, they were top draw they were they were like the good source yeah yeah, yeah. as he would say they cut the must they really did cut the mustard <laughs> oh dear brilliant but obviously yeah we talked about pack rat and condiment king we have to talk about um mighty mom like i said they were mostly net she was she was she was really yeah, she knocked Robin on his butt exactly. a couple of times. She was amazing. No, it's true, because we saw her in her like civilian clothes as yeah. her sort of like yeah. demeaning but also snacking. So when we see her coming out of that trap door, like busting moves, yeah. it was quite a pleasant surprise. And yeah, she laid out Robin a couple of times and um young man not to quote on Dick Grayson's interests, but we all know what Dick Grayson's interests are. Him yes. being taken over a Very an old woman. Yeah. Him being taken over a, an uh, an older woman's knee and being spanked is something he may be may have found exciting, but that's not something we're going to really uh, speculate on. Poor Jimmy and Juan got a right bruising, didn't they? Bless him. Yeah, Aww. but um, yeah, it's just this whole episode was dialogue brilliant, comedy brilliant, action brilliant. Uh, we finally found out with that meme of Batman looking into the camera and waving his finger like, I, no, no, I no. came from. So that's from this episode. I always away. wondered. So I'd obviously, I've clearly never seen this episode. So I thought, where from? Yep. And now I know. Yep, the finger wag of judgment is always very important. In terms of like the visual like gags that I see a lot swirling around um, Tumblr and Twitter from Batman the Animated yes. Series, it's that. And it's also him just thumbs up that yeah. kid from yeah. the, the episode when the, ki- the mayor's son got kidnapped. It's like a Batman thumbs up dot gif. Everyone says no, not that one of Val Kilmer at the Batwing. It's that one of him and the kid. <laughs> Although uh, Val Kilmer at the Batwing is also like quite a good visual. I will forever defend Val Kilmer as Batman. One of the few. I, I love him. But obviously, yeah, the writing by Paul Dini and Randy Rogel in this episode was was top draw. But I have to talk about Boyd Kirkland's directions. I do think this could be one of his finest hours. From things like. In the Mayfields yeah, department May- store. Mayfields is a good name. <laughs> Macy's. Yeah. Brilliant. Mayfair. Mayfair. It's just, just wonderful. Um, when Packrat's 
shooting everything in sight. And there's a scene we see Alfred's face, and you hear the gunshots go up, and you hear, what? And, you, and it's the mirror. Yeah, and you see the bullets hit into Brilliant. Alfred's center of mass. So you yeah. do think about it for a second. But I, if we're going to talk about that, I know which one you're going to want to highlight in a second. Oh. This scene, I, I just wanted to freeze frame it and watch it back again and again and again. There's a part where Batman turns his back to the camera, the cape swirls, and it turns into the Batmobile zooming away. That was beautiful. Just a truly artistic moment that, like, transitions like that, quick cuts like that, I've seen them badly done. Yeah. I've seen them badly done in cinema. Mm. But to have them work it that well in animation... I think it's one of the few places where you can make an effect like that work well because the angle and the shape that the cape took on... The scalloping of the cape and the yeah, back of the Batman. Because mm. mirrored each other perfectly. So, But you can control that pretty easily when you're animating it. Like, unless you have to like CG like the flick of the cape into something like that, it would be a very hard-pressed thing to do in like live-action cinema. So they, they handled that very well, and it was a beautiful shot to sort of see. Another great bit of realism that we got from the direction like that was uh, yeah. right at the end when we saw the, uh, a top-down view of the street to the searchlights and yeah. you see one of the searchlights actually like make the screen yeah. go white for about a frame and a half Absolutely. as though the searchlight were going through over the camera that kind of That's realism crazy. you'd never expect from uh, 2D animation but it just highlights the strength of the quality of the production oh we say it a lot though don't we Let, let's um, to say that the this show, sometimes the animators go above and beyond because that was completely unnecessary, but so effective. It really was. And we got that actual like care and attention to make it seem like there was a lot of real realism and effort to show that there's we are viewers in this world following on Batman's adventures. And just to get to see that is just like incredibly satisfying. We just don't you don't get to expect that kind of attention mm -hmm. and care in Sometimes you don't get that care and attention in uh, live action. Not, 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 not necessarily like Batman, because like yeah. the last good bit of live action Batman media was the Batman, which was fantastic, fan truly excellent. So we got that level of care and attention. But a lot of other stuff, you might lose it. But yeah. that's just the quality of the production that we've said time and again on this show. Well, I'm really looking forward to the new Batman animated series, which apparently is based on the Batman, but made by the same people who made Batman the animated series. And that's coming very, very soon. And I'm absolutely dying for it. Um, but we have to, I mean, what do you think? I, I need your opinion on this as a writer, as, as a person who produces art. The, we talked about the writing and the direction of this episode, which is stellar. This, is, this episode is fantastic. But little things like, I'm sure the script probably just said, um, Dick Grayson, Robin walks in holding a newspaper and opens it. Hmm. But the headline of the newspaper, the rally to be held for Gordon. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that as well. I mean, is that the animators just putting something in just not to have random no. wordless newspaper, or do you think that's a seed? I feel like that has to be a seed for something. Yeah. I would hope that it's a seed for something because, like, rally for Gordon, either as in him doing something in the like municipal political side of Gotham, that's worth our, uh, unpacking and giving a certain attention for, or it's a rally as though he recovers from something, which is still something concerning that the mm, viewer, exactly. and the viewer, and the listener would want to like check in on so either way it's a detail that would yeah. have been worth unpacking but uh if it had been something like penguins penguin pilfering again or like yeah, exactly that's what you usually get yeah you? or just like like um uh rupert thorn outed for racketeering it's just like another thing that just sort of like open and shuts uh 
like a case that Batman's probably been involved in, that would be just like a little opening shot of realism. But us, it leaves us a lot of questions that we hopefully can sort of uh, unpack and hope for. Because uh, when we look, when we're going to talk about that newspaper, I think it's a great bit of realism that the big news like that was on the front yeah. page. But yeah, the thing yeah. that was relevant to the episode was there in one of the middle pages. That's a great bit of realism to show that, like, because you see in a lot of like newspaper clippings from like TV and movies and stuff that sure there'll be something that's relevant in the paper, but it'll be like the first page or like exactly. an open page that's just like thrown across someone's exactly. desk. Exactly. Or like the old twenties and thirties newsreels. It's it's nineteen thirty nine and you see this newspaper's just spinning up yeah. into the camera. Yeah. Those important things to the story are always on the front page. They're always there for the reader to just like graft their attention to right away so that we can tie that to the story we're being told. We don't get that here we get that in the middle which is a great bit of realism but it also gives us another nugget of information that might like invite us to a lot of questions because it could have very easily just done like those block sort of line things as though it were just like a detail that we're not looking at but they want to put that clear and in focus to Mm -hmm. invite some questions and to make the world feel more lived in make the world feel more real and more there in our faces just to sort of engage us as viewers and Again, it's a level of care and attention they put that effort in that they really didn't yeah. have to, but it makes it just feel so good. Couldn't agree more. Sublime, subliminal storytelling, just really, really clever. I mean, yeah, writing, direction, animation, storytelling. I now need to move on to that other thing that we've talked about frequently in the past, and it really stood out for me tonight is Shirley Walker's score and it being different every episode in particular the scene with batman and robin fighting the joker on the balloon it was just a wonderful piece of music it went from macabre to clown and circus to the joker's theme to batman's theme and everything in between in one piece of music and it told the story every bit as much as the action we were watching and the characters actually fighting it was Honestly, it blew me away, that piece of music. It was fantastic. I think it was mostly the best part of that particular ending piece of music was when it was the the flutes and the winds yeah. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. make it feel like you a are being carried room. away up high on a balloon. Totally. It made it like it's a very common like musical choice with among composers, but it doesn't mean it's any less effective. So yeah. we feel that elevation, we feel things going higher and higher and higher, and it whisks us away with the action and it's a very satisfying thing to just see done so well yet again yeah and to also combine that scary clown and the joker theme and batman theme into it without them feeling shoehorned i mean there was at times i mean don't get me wrong i still think danny elfman's batman music is amongst the finest ever composed but a lot of the times that was literally shoehorned into every other track on the batman soundtrack in 89 and whereas i loved it it felt like, oh, come on, let's hear something a bit different. This was just two and a half minutes, if that, of just masterful music. Really was. Getting the scene. Really was. It just, like, gave us the depth and richness to unpack the fact that when we know that there's silence in a, in a moment, it's just a moment for us to focus. When it's big, swirling, wonderfully produced music like that, we get caught up in the action with it, and it's it tells the story as much as the visuals and the dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about, obviously, we know always that Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., Lauren Lester, um, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are always going to be at the top of their game. And we, I want to 
give special mention to Mr. Hamill in this episode because when he's the comedian, I honestly have to think, is that Mark? Because his voice and intonation as whatever he called himself, I forget now, was totally different to his Joker voice. And again, it just shows this guy's range is unreal. Yeah, we only got the voice that we could really tell was the Joker was when the character was starting to get really angry that he was getting snubbed by the comedy judges. Before that, he was just like gruff down to New York sort of Joe, which is just an amazing natural choice. And it's a great range and a great performance by a true master. I trouble telling as well but then again i also remember seeing one like short dc animated skit where some supervillains capture mark hamill and mark oh, hamill wow i mark, need to see this. i'm surprised you haven't seen this but, but it's like a little animated skit it's only like two three minutes long where they cat they kidnap mark hamill but mark hamill's in the back of the car throwing his voice and making himself sound like the other two supervillains to make the supervillains fight at each other and then mark hamill as swamp thing Saves the day and sw- uh, swoops away Mark Hamill and says, "We, you, you, counted on, you tried to kidnap Mark Hamill because he was a very famous person, but you weren't counting on Mark Hamill's being a seasoned actor." Yeah, it was like, "I'll, I'll find that for you. I'll find that." I for you. need to see that completely. But, but still, that's just a three-minute range of just Mark Hamill being like three or four different characters, as well yeah. as himself. That range is why people just say he is the definitive Joker still. And oh, you, no can't, you, you can't really take that from him, especially when he brings layered performances to bit parts of mm-hmm. a technically different character done so well that you can very easily forget that it's not him. Yeah, incredible. I mean, I remember, this is the late 80s, early 90s, when they were talking about making this show. And this is obviously before the internet. This is when I was reading stuff like Starburst and other magazines. And um, initially it was... Uh, Tim Curry was cast as the Joker, and I thought, fantastic. Well, he did He's a great job as a creepy play. clown in yeah. the 80s back in the day. Absolutely. But then obviously he didn't, and, he, and they cost my own. I thought, well, hang on, Luke Skywalker as the Joker? I mean, how's that even going to, is that not career suicide or whatever else? The second I heard the guy, I thought, oh, oh wow. wow. This is. Because that's not what you'd expect. No. Actually, this is a good question, because at this point, me growing up post Batman the Animated Series. He's always been the Joker. It's kind of hard between this show, the Arkham games, and just knowing his voice for me to not pick up a comic and not hear that voice. Mm. So I want to know you, reading Batman since you were like knee high to a grasshopper hundreds of years ago. What did those characters sound like to you before these voice actors? Adam West and Cesar Romero. Really? Yeah. That's all I had. But then what about when you started the to whole read... The changing the voice to be Batman, honestly, I don't remember happening before Michael Keaton. Really? Yeah. Especially on TV and cinema. Michael Keaton was the first to have a different voice for Batman than he did for Bruce Wayne, which was, in its time, like, well, of course that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm sure it was mentioned in comics. Obviously, the comics I grew up with were uh, Golden and Silver Age, Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson, Bill Finger, Dick Sprang, Sheldon Moldoff comics, which were more or less Adam West TV shows in comic book form. Batman, another costume? I have to wear a different co- bad costume every night, Robin. I have to. Yeah, exactly. That's the Batman I grew up with. And then all of a sudden... The Denny O'Neill stuff. Denny O'Neill hits me. Batman with long ears, creature of night, shit. He dresses like a bat so he can scare people, which totally changed my life, and here I am today. But, um, yeah, I mean, before Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, it was 
Adam West, Burt Ward, and Cesar Romero. And whatever else may be said about Cesar Romero and painting his moustache, he was a fantastic joke. He was hilarious, silly, goofy, but there was something also terrifying about him. His stature, his wiliness, his... I don't know, there was something about him that was still just, scares me. He was a bit... He was just, like, effortlessly sinister. Yes. Yeah. Again, he's a season... Just like Hamill. Yeah. Actor. Yeah. But then again, we've also got we've also in the past also had people like your Joaquin Phoenixes and your you know, Heath Ledger's. Yeah. yeah, the joke is not easy, um, despite appearances. And I have to say, um, very good. I, I I hope it's on the DVD. It will be Barry Keoghan's Joker at the cut scene from the Batman and the end scene of the world. Yeah, very nice. Want to see more of that? I'm Absolutely. certain we will. Now, stellar acting talents. Um, they they seem to crop up on this show, don't they? When you have access to Warner Brothers and what was at the time the biggest like animation production ever, because this was back when oh. Disney was still in the toilet. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. they could just like like open up a who's who phone book, pick their name, and say, "Hey, do you want to be on Batman for an episode or two? And they'll be like, "Yeah, sure," because they call in people like Geordie LaForge for bit part so i am so you've told me that the people that were in this episode were someone to be really excited about so one in particular one in so particular, of the of the guest parts the uh the inept or not uh super villains who, who do we have to be thankful to well let's start with Stuart panking because obviously he started the episode as condiment king um most famously but several years the dad in dinosaurs voice actor par excellence but tons of um cinema roles i mean too many for me to list on this page, but stuff that you may know would be Arachnophobia, Fatal Attraction, and Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, and TV appearances in Chips, Benson Soap, and countless others. Then we get Grant Shaw, who played um, Pack Rat. Shows like Kate and Ali, Murder, She Wrote, but for us, super nerds, he was Toy Man in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, with, uh, oh, wow. yes, with Terry Hatcher and the other person who shall not be named. And finally, and this is the one that blew my mind, this woman. Again, if I wanted to list everything she's done, I would need another note. But let's go to the mainstays. Broadway. I mean, theatre actress, award-winning writer and scriptwriter, Emmy award-winning writer for a start. But appearances on Broadway in Oklahoma, Young Frankenstein, in animated movies, Anastasia, Jimmy Neutron, one of your favourites growing up. Classic. She was Quark's mother in Star Trek DS9. Oh, wow. Right? Um, and this is the one that I actually thought, are you freaking kidding me? She's Aunt Vula in the Big no Fat Greek movies and the Big Fat Greek Life's TV show. No way. That's Aunt Vula. I knew that one would get you. I thought, what? As soon as I saw her photograph, I thought, no. The the old lady who talks about her inappropriate medical emergencies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and her birthmark, the sex shape. The shape as Mykonos. <laughs> and the lump on the back of her neck that was a digested twin. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Acting. I told you, I knew that one would get you because I thought, wow. Yeah. But like, Honestly, props to her because, like what most people, because like household wise, people would really only know her as Vula. Yeah, but if she's done that much stuff, Dude. and she's a hero. She's her a IMDb and her Wikipedia page are like wow. I mean, the fact she's not just an actor, producer, a writer, an Emmy award winning writer. 
Yeah, she's um, done everything. Amazing. And I, I loved her just as Vula. Yeah. Her performance in this episode is stellar, not because we don't even see her, but you get her character. You get that, that is, this is a tough comedian, the only female in a panel of men. Mm. He's the one who stands up to the Joker, not the other two. Yeah. And she can flip, twirl, and almost out acrobat Dick Grayson. Yeah. And we see awesome. and we see her um on her on her on her couch eating snacks. Yeah. But also on the phone to what sounds like a manager being yeah. a ball buster. Yeah. Getting things done. Yeah. I feel like the lady herself must be like that in real life. So it must have been a very easy role for her to just slip right into. Ah, exactly. N- enough respect. That's that's amazing. I bow down to her. Andrea Martin. We love you. We do. Thank you. We really, really do. Decades of service that, honestly, I'm sad I didn't know more about. Unbelievable. And and this happens almost every week on the show with the guest actors. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, they they really could have just got anyone and be like, oh, yeah, this this guy... This guy uh, won a Nobel Prize. Mm. This guy's been to space. We, I, I would believe that. Yeah. Well, well, Martin Luther King talked to this girl. I mean, <laughs> yes, literally. <laughs> let's let's be fair. Oh, this guy's a senator and like thirty lines to become president of the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it makes total sense. But that's only because he's a super fan. Yeah. Well, there you go. We're I'm not intimidated by thugs. But honestly, if I had one line on anything Batman related, I'd say I'd die happy. So. Wonderful, absolutely. I mean, you have your reviews have appeared on publications. Well, that's true. Yeah, but to have my voice, um, well, it's something to work to. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still young. <laughs> anyway, back to our usual programming service. Um, Adam, Hello. your thoughts, your final takeaways: good, bad, ugly, beautiful, divine, or silly from Make 'em Laugh. I honestly loved this episode as a mastery of storytelling, just to misdirect us at the beginning, making us think it's Joker. Oh, it might not be. Oh, it actually is. Isn't that satisfying? Uh, The thing I wanted to unpack the most, we sort of already did with the newspaper. Yeah. But I I got everything I wanted to say out about that sort of out when we first discussed it. So a thing that I thought was really just satisfying was the Something that like symbolizes the clash between Batman and the Joker, and that was the laughing gas grenade flying through the air and then the batarang flying, hitting it and then just flinging it out of the window. Totally. And that was going to be one of my takeaways. Well, that was again, was like epitome of Batman, epitome of Joker, beautifully handled. Really? I want to go back to some of the imagery because this episode was, was beautifully directed, but. From the opening title card, something about this show which is iconic and so many other shows have done since, but this took from, like you said, from the silver and golden ages of, of the big screen. The fact that Make Him Laugh, there was no smile, there was no joker, there was no clown, it was a stage with a spotlight and a mic, but there was no one on the stage. Hmm. It was like preempting what the episode was going to be at. You know it's a joker episode, but where's the joker? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fair. And even then, the title of the neon was like an Art Deco font, but yeah. in purple, yeah. in purple neon. Yeah. So you you straight away think it's the Joker, but there's nobody there. Yeah. It's just an, an unknown comedian. Yeah. So we have to assume that there's probably something there, but it's just like higher comedy. So look, when we start to see, oh, there may be not any Joker here, and we get that misdirection of, oh, the Mad Hat is the mind controller yeah. with the weird tech. Oh, which, which we didn't get, even talk about. Which we didn't even talk about, yeah. <laughs> Mad Hatter, yes. Joker was controlling these people with Jervis's patches. Yes, as he would. And well, I honestly thought that Hatcher had escaped and they were working together, but no, he was 
No, he was just sort of like laid out there. Yeah. I was fully prepared for that to just be a model, but it was yeah. just him sort of catatonic. Yeah. And I would have totally bought that he would have taken the extra minutes and was like, come on, Asa, we have to go and get those comedians. No, just a moment, Joker. I need to make my model look accurate. Just him there painting it. <laughs> I would have fully I would have fully believed that. But it was just him out like a light. Yeah. But we all know as well that Joker does not play nicely with Um The fact that he even gives Hatter any credit for the technology, but he didn't ask for it. He wasn't given it. He took it. So, again, classic Joker. Very true to Joker. Brilliant. Well, that was it. Make Him Laugh, episode 18 of season two of Batman the Animated Series. We've only got two left. And then we go into, again, completely new territory for this particular reviewer. And definitely new territory for me as well. Nightwing, animated, finally. I've been waiting for this moment for so long. It'll you be, know how huge you did Grace and Family. It'll be very satisfying to see. So, yes. Um, so, we talked about um, the voices in the show. Where can Gothamites hear your voice and read your works? Adam Ray. For Batman-flavoured things, or for rather DC Comics-flavoured things, look to my many reviews a month on Dark Knight News. Both Catwoman and Suicide Squad are in excellent spots right now. But for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, look to our pride and joy, oh, yes. fantasticuniverses.com, for my thought pieces, reviews, and general quibblings about digital card games, gacha games, and the latest releases for PC, console, tabletop, and everything in between. Look to the Apotheosis Studios blog for long-haul articles about supplements for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, general nerd news, and anything to level up your TTRPG experience. And look to RuneterraCCG.com for hard-hitting news and deck brews featured in and around the League of Legends card game. Follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer. Look to Twitch.tv forward slash IsItTinkerer for my card gaming uh, live streams. Look to... The hostile atmosphere on YouTube for my PC Let's Plays look to No Ordinary Heroes for my Dungeons and Dragons Let's Plays. And there are podcasts out there in the in the ether for you to listen to as well. As I said, I make a lot of content. Yes, you do. And it's all marvellous. Do check it out, especially if you're a big gaming fan. If you're a comics fan, again, you always check out DC Comics News and Dark Knight News because this is part of the DC Comics News Podcast Network. We also find shows like The Spinner Rack and... Harley Quinn, the animated series, um, Mad Love, and the video show on YouTube, DCN After Dark. You can catch all of those on Spotify, Twitter, Google Play, Stitch, and wherever else you'll get your podcast fixes from. You can catch DC Comics News and Dark News all across the internet and on Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, and of course, uh, Facebook. And you can catch me on Twitter by tweeting at lstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. You can hear my voice across the Comics in Motion feed on Superheroes for Dummies, the feed on Superheroes for Dummies, the feed on Superheroes for Dummies,